Well, what is up, Substance? Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it to church. Man, you guys look good. Come on, Happy New Year, everybody. You guys feeling good? I wanna welcome everybody at our downtown campus, our West Side campus, our Monterey campus. Come on, would you guys help me welcome everybody? We are back in our multi-site configuration for the new year, but we're still coming together at our first Wednesday service coming up this week. So much fun. I, I just, I'm here with my leading lady, Pastor Carolyn Haas. We just, hey, we just celebrated 27 years. I know, it's amazing. I love you, and you're still my favorite human. Oh, uh, do you realize how many hairstyles we've gone through together? <laughs> I, I, we should have shown people some pictures, but I mean, we, we've, she knew me before I had hair on my chest. <laughs> Sorry, it just got awkward. I don't know what, I don't, I, stick to my notes. Peter, come on, <laughs> stick to, no, for real though, I'm so glad you guys are here celebrating New Year's with us. I, I just really believe that God is actually going to set some of you free in the service today. I, I just, you know, as I got up and I was praying about this message, I got this sense that there's a few of you here today who you've been running with your shoelaces tied together and you think it's normal. And, and don't get me wrong, you, you've, you've gotten to run really fast after a while. You can still run kind of fast with your shoelaces tied together, but, but it, it's awkward. And I, I just, and some of you, you're, you're, I, I have this sense that in certain areas of your life, you're actually starting to become hopeless about your marriage, hopeless about your finances, about your job, and you're starting to think questions like, is this as good as it gets? And uh, is, is, you know, my marriage, you're starting to think hopeless thoughts, like my marriage is always gonna feel like this, or my weight is always gonna be a struggle, or I'm always gonna, my physical body is always gonna have this pain, or I'm gonna always gonna be sick, my job is always gonna be exhausting or unfulfilling. But let me tell you something. None of these things are true if you think like God thinks. And I think the, the goal of my job as, as a preacher is to expose you to God's word that will cause you to think less like yourself South and more like God. And uh, I, I, I want to start you out with one of God's thoughts out of second, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Okay, so check this out. It says this, 2 Corinthians 2.9, it says, no eye has seen, nor ear, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. If you love him today, that means God is preparing certain things for you. And, and what does that mean when God prepares things? It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, those years where I would, I would give, there were these certain years where I, I had some pretty awesome Christmas presents for my kids, and I knew how awesome it was gonna be. They didn't know how awesome it was gonna be, but I was more excited about uh, unwrapping presents than they were. Why? Because I knew what they were about to get, and it's yeah. gonna be awesome. And yet they didn't know. Listen, that's how God feels about you. He's like, he's looking at you and he's like, oh my gosh, wait until they discover the beach body I have for them in 2023. Wait until, oh, this person, I got a whole personality makeover for you. All you gotta do is deal with this one issue. Oh, this person, you are gonna be one of those salad lovers. And some of you are like, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. No, some of you, some of you, like, I, like God is like, oh, oh, if they can just, ooh, when they go through that one Dave Ramsey class coming up, oh my gosh, suddenly, boom. 
boom, they're gonna, they're gonna start making certain decisions that are just gonna affect you. Oh, it's gonna result in a new house. Others, I mean, God is preparing things for you that are so good that your mind cannot conceive it, the Apostle Paul is saying here. Just stop and absorb the optimism from that. Even if you're not an optimistic person, and listen, believe it or not, I am not a naturally optimistic person. I have a black belt in whining, okay? <laughs> Ninth degree black belt in whining. I can whine with the best of them. I'm very skilled at it, and yet God's word has caused me to renew my mind and think differently. And I, I just, if you're wondering, does God have a plan for you in the new year? The answer is yes. All the proof is right here. So what if I was to tell you that this is the year that you get control over your physical body? Come on, And you lose 30 pounds, you get physically fit, you actually start exercising. Or what if this is the year you actually love reading the Bible? You actually find a small group. Even the boring books. There's no boring books. Come on, it's all awesome. Like, like, what if you find a great small group though? Some of you, you've given up on finding the right small group. You've tried one or two, you haven't found it, but what if this is the year God has prepared right. godly the friends for friend. you that you're gonna laugh with, cry with, pray with, and see miracles? Some of you, what if this is the year your disease, your allergy, your disability, your diagnosis will not deplete you or define you? Mm but in fact, it will actually cause you to thrive this year. Come on. What if this is the year for breakthrough in your marriage, in your relationships, in your job, with your family? Listen, I'm not proposing that God's just gonna do whatever you want in the timeline you want. That's not how it works, but I do believe that for all of us, we just have one or two habit changes before we get the breakthrough. Come on, come on. And maybe that's with your parenting. You're just trusting God for someone to know the Lord. Or, or I'm just telling you, miracles happen all the time in our church. We hear them. Every single week, we hear miracles. Even this last year, I was going over, I have like a 10-year journal, and I write down every single thing. Every day, I write down about three sentences about what I did that day, 365 days a year. And then I go back at the end of the year, and I kind of summarize my year in one big moment. I always, I did it yesterday. And it was fun for me to go back and look at all the things that God accomplished in my life. I Things that I... To be honest, I was uh, yesterday morning, I got up and I'm like, ah, this has been an okay year. I went over all the things that God did in my year. I was blown away by how many things I forgot about that were giant breakthroughs. All of us has this tendency to kind of minimize what God is doing and obsess over what he's not doing in our lives. And I, I just, I wanna undo that today. I wanna, I wanna renew your mind using a couple scriptures, but, but more than that, I wanna talk about four different chief behaviors that will tend to obscure God in your life, obscure change in your life, and will ultimately decrease your teachability. And once you, once you and, and some of you, you're, you're gonna need to write down these four things that I'm gonna give you, because all of us struggles with at least one of the four. And some of you, are by the end of today, are gonna be like, like all four, actually, are there eight more? Are there like, because you're like, I, I struggle, right? Well, listen, um, the good news is, is if you can identify which of these four behaviors 
is your main issue, the thing that's obstructing change, then once you identify it, you can actually accelerate your change, okay? And, and just to make it simple, all four of these behaviors, they begin with the letter P, and you note takers, I'm gonna hit these a couple times, but here they are, uh, just really quick. Pace, your pace, the pace of your life, the speed at which you live your life, will affect your ability to change, will affect your ability to hear God, will affect your ability to be teachable. The pain in your life, unresolved pain in your life, will affect your ability to see God, hear God, bring about change. The pride in your life, your ability to apologize, get accountability, and planning, your ability to get really specific about what listening to God and let him outline his plan for your 2023. You see, over the years, I, a lot of people have shared their struggles with me, and, and most, people, I, most people are way closer to a breakthrough than they realize. It's just that they had one of the four Ps sabotaging their lives. Like they, they were living so fast, they were so busy, their kids were in so many sports and lessons that really it was impossible for them to actually do what God was calling them to do. Or maybe they had this one wound in their soul that was just constantly sabotaging their ability to get around the right people. And, and so before we dive in, I wanna, I wanna start by sharing one of the top fights that Carolyn and I have had over the years. Are you talking about our like Christmas tree fight of 2022? <laughs> What's the Christmas tree fight? The Christmas tree fight. Like we fought for an hour and a half because he actually, I, I spent. Oh, the Christmas tree <laughs> fight. I literally, our Christmas tree was crooked and I spent an hour and a half by myself straightening it, perfecting it, putting little wedges under it. And yeah, then but you literally. Didn't, you didn't have it in front of the window, right? It was like, <laughs> or, or, or. It was gonna light on fire. She had it like right next to the. It was fine. It was fine. Anyway, it was not fine. I moved it moved four it inches without asking for my permission. Four inches. He moved it, and I was so upset. Anyway, it was a really stressful fight. <sighs> yeah. That is not the fight that I was gonna okay, bring up. Sorry. Okay, so I, I I'm talking about our Saturday sermon fights. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Because it deals with the first of the four P. That's another fight we're going to have to finish later. No, I'm kidding. I, no, she, just, she was just all upset that it, the tree wasn't straight. I'm like, I can fix that, girl. Anyway, so I, I just, I love you. Love you. Um, but I, I, so, okay, so note takers. <laughs> first barrier to change, pace. Okay, so over the years, this is, this is one of those things that like, so Honestly, I think she does know more scripture than me. Carolyn always has like a weird scripture on her, the forefront of her mind. She, she reads her Bible even probably more than I do, if I could just be honest. So like whenever I write a sermon, I'm always like, I always kind of throw it past her and say, hey, just rip it to shreds. Like, and, and you do. That's the problem. That's the... It's actually the fight, okay? So uh, the, uh, no, uh, here's, here's the truth. I think all of us need to learn how to make a point without making an enemy, right? So I wanna get her feedback. Hey, could I say the same thing and yet not offend everybody in our church, okay? And, uh, and so, uh, like over the years, what I'll do is I'll just give her my, uh, my manuscript on Saturday and, uh, and then, and then, you know, quite often my wife has a lot of brilliant tweaks. Peter, if you said it like this instead of that. But early on, I gotta be honest with you, I was so resistant, okay? Early on, I was always like, baby, no, that would wreck my sermon. No, that would wreck my, 
No, like that's the whole point of that point is to say that. And then she'd be like, well, then why the heck are you asking me for your, my advice in the first place? And then I'd be like, I don't know. Why am I asking you for advice? And, and, then, and then sure enough, you know, and then I, I would be like, no, I'm going to do that anyway, okay? Objection noted. But then I'm going to still preach it. Okay, so then I, and sure enough, guess what? I would offend someone, and they would write a letter about that very issue that my wife told me to change. And so here's what I've learned over the years. Are you petting me? Okay, no, I, oh, here's what I learned over the years. Okay, the Lord actually forced me to deal with it. Like, Peter, why are you actually resistant to your wife's feedback? And, um, after a little introspection, I actually realized something, okay? Uh, my problem is I'm always asking her on Saturday to tell me what is wrong with my message, but I don't wanna work on it Saturday night. In fact, actually, half the time she would give me really good feedback, but I don't have the time to change all the things that she's suggesting, unless, of course, I stayed up all night. So, of course, I'm gonna be resistant to modifications on Saturday. Now, if I would get my sermon done a week in advance and then ask her, then all of a sudden it's not as big of a crisis. You see, it was, it was, it was all about margin, okay? I, truth was, I really did want your feedback. It was just that my lack of margin and time actually decreased my teachability, okay? So the same thing actually proves true when you're living life at an unhealthy pace, okay? If you lack margin in your time, you're also gonna lack the desire to change. The same thing true, is true with like financial margin. Think about it like this, okay? I've always told people, hey, you need to have three to six months of your income stored up in a rainy day fund that you never touch. It's always available. So if you make, you know, whatever it is you make a year, okay, Three to six months, have that, not in your checking account, just in a savings account, stored up because that margin is what will purchase peace for you. Therefore, when your car breaks down, and guess what? Newsflash, it will. You, it's suddenly, it, it, it's, instead of it being a crisis, it's just a bad day, okay? You got money, you got your finances, your margin actually purchases for you peace. Okay, so for example, okay, there was this guy coming to Substance uh, years ago. He used to work for this, the, his boss was a total slime ball, if I could just be honest. And uh, his, I mean, his boss was downright vile, verbally abusive, would never let this guy take off time for, uh, for church, um, threatened to fire him all the time. I mean, just like total Ebenezer Scrooge, okay? And, and uh, I actually met the guy. I thought my friend was just a drama queen. And uh, I, I met his boss one time and I'm telling you, the guy was like almost a sociopath. I mean, he had like a borderline, personal, uh, borderline personality. I mean, really um, almost dangerous. Like I actually, after I met this guy's boss, I actually went to my friend and I'm like, bro, that guy is seriously dangerous. Like you need to find a new job. Like do not hang out with that guy. That guy is a fool or he's wicked, one or the other. And I'm not even sure that how your business is structured is even legal. I mean, all these alarm bells were going off in me, and I'm like, bro, you need to get a new job. And he's like, yeah, but like, I, I need to get a job that pays like this. And, it, and arguably, he got paid a lot, okay? And I'm like, bro, I don't, no amount of money is worth that, okay? In fact, that's dangerous. Okay? And get this, nine months later, he was still in the same job, his life, his self-esteem, his church attendance, totally spiraling out of control. I could see how it was costing him and his kids' lives. And, and, but, but here's the deal, he wanted to live 
this, this lifestyle where he wanted to have the really nice house, he really needed to have this type of car, he was leasing a car he couldn't afford, and uh, he never wanted to get disciplined with his budget, he always wanted to take these giant vacations. The truth is, he needed the crazy job in order to afford the crazy lifestyle, and he lived, in other words, he lived at a pace that choked out God's word. Remember the parable of the seed and the sowers? The worries of this life, the desires for other things can choke the word of God out of our lives, Jesus said. Okay, and, and guess what? Um, that's really what was happening is he was choking wisdom out of his life. And let me tell you, all of a sudden he hit a wall. Guess what? His boss got sued. Guess what? My friend got sued. Everything melted down and he lost half of everything he owned. His kids didn't even want to serve the Lord anymore. And I, I just, I remember looking at it thinking, oh, there was, an, there was an option for him to slow things down, make a different decision. And I, I, I say this because I just want to give you a, a little piece of wisdom, especially in this new year. People who lack margin in their lives, their time and their finances will always have more deception in their life. People who lack margin in their time and their finances will always have more deception in their lives. It's just a fact. And so us paying attention to our pace, living at a rate where anxiety is impossible, living at a pace where we're able to make the adjustments, we're able to make the correction. I'm just telling you, the wisdom of God thrives in the margin of our lives. Do you have it? Are you prioritizing it? Things like small group attendance, church attendance, things like having margin in our finances so that you can be strategic and generous at those right moments. And, and so again, the pace of God, the, the pace of our lives can affect the wisdom of God in our lives. That's the first P. But with all that said, Carolyn, why don't you just talk to us about the second one, unhealed Pain. Unhealed pain. Okay, we're talking about obstructions to change. We all want to change in this new year, but what about our pain? You know, over the years, whenever you and I get hurt by people, which we get hurt by people, so it happens, there's this tendency to put up a wall, right? It's a self-defense mechanism, and sometimes, you know, these walls are meant to give us space to heal, but actually, they end up causing even more harm. And so, you know, many of you, you know, know that we pastored in Wisconsin for nine years. And the reason why we tell so many stories from our church in Wisconsin is it was nine years. We lived there. It was a significant part of our ministry journey. We had two of our kids there. And it was an incredible church. And so we, we lived there before we moved and planted substance here in Minnesota. We loved the church. It was a beautiful place, great people. The founding pastor, he got us into ministry. He was a spiritual dad to me. He was a mentor to us. He did our pre-marriage. I mean, he just, he was an incredible guy. So all of a sudden, Peter is now, we're 24 years old, and Peter's being asked to become the next senior pastor. This guy is moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's planting a church, and they asked Peter to take over the church. And so he had huge shoes to fill. I mean, this, this guy was a, a brilliant leader. So the very weekend that Peter is getting voted in to become the next senior pastor, we get the news that our mentor, our founding pastor, was caught in an affair, was not repentant. It was crazy. It was devastating. We are devastated as we're grieving the loss of a leader in our lives. Our church was grieving immensely. So here we are, we're brand new senior pastors of this church, we're 24 years old, and our first crisis is to deal with a grieving, devastated church. Here's what we didn't expect. 
What we didn't expect was that from that time forward, so many people in the church treated Peter as though he was the one that had the affair. Like it was crazy. Because he was this guy's protege, it was almost like association. He mentored you. You learned from him. So you must also be flawed and we can't trust you. And so I'm telling you, we would have people come up to us all the time and they would just rant. Like, you know, pastors are just not trustworthy. They would just literally like, all senior pastors are lying manipulators. It was just crazy. Every decision that Peter would make, people would just project vile motives upon Peter. I mean, it was completely dehumanizing. Here's what we saw. They actually would project their wound and they projected it upon Peter. So many times we take a, a past wound from a past leader and we just project it on the new leader that we're under. And so over the next you know, couple of years, we slowly won people over. I mean, thankfully Peter's humble and faithful and his character and his consistency just won out. And so, so many people followed with us and grew spiritually. But I'm telling you, there was a handful of people that just chose, no, I am predetermined not to trust. People ask me why I love to pray. It's because I wanna kill so many people. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I had to learn prayer. But what, here's what we saw is people had arrested development because of their wounds. And I think we have to pay attention to that. Where are we in our life stuck? with arrested development because of wounds that we've had, unhealed pain in our life. When we realized in that season that, that grieving and wounded people aren't always able to make healthy decisions. There was a time even when we were leading where we we're like, I don't even know if we can take this church anywhere because they're so wounded. It's like woundedness affects progress. Woundedness affects ability to change. Really, because they project motives upon people that don't even exist and then the very people that are trying to help us we're actually pushing away. I just, in some ways, I, I liken it to the difference between a skeptic and a cynic, okay? When, when somebody comes to the church, I'm always trying to determine, oh, is this a skeptical person or is this a cynical person? And what do I mean by that? Skeptics usually are people that are struggling with information, okay? They, they just, intellectually, they just need to sort out, let me understand this doctrine. Let me understand this concept of God, right? They're, they're, they're trying to be objective and they're just, they're, they're trying to be intellectually neutral and they're, they're coming to me asking me for information on both sides, okay? Cynics, on the other hand, these are people who are wounded and because of that wound, they're not actually seeking information, okay? They're actually seeking information that confirms their bias, Okay, so a cynical person is not objectively seeking information. They're actually, they're really just looking to, to lick their wounds, console their bias that will continue to justify why they should kind of live the way they live, okay? So uh, to put it another way, skeptics struggle with doubt and information. Cynics struggle with trust. And no amount of information is gonna change that. You see, it's, it's, it's the same thing like with like conspiracy people, you know what I'm saying? It's a, they, they've inherited a trust wound and no amount of information is gonna change their, because again, it's confirmation bias. And so uh, a lot of times, here, and here's why that's so dangerous, is because a lot of times our breakthrough is gonna come through the very person we're prejudiced against. And, 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 and so I think we've all met people like this, people who have been wounded, right? And they, they'll make these kind of sweeping generalizations. The gov all governments are corrupt, and, or all men are pigs, all bosses are stupid, all millennials, or all liberals, or all Packer fans. Come on, somebody. 
You know what I'm talking about, all right? Unfortunately, the pain turns into prejudice, and the next thing you know, we're kind of labeling people, you know, like, it's, it's an us-them narrative. Oh, you're one of those salad people, right? Or, oh, you're one of those crossfitters, or you're one of those, and, and I think, you know, again, we all do this theologically, too. I know a lot of, there's a lot of Christians who, who honestly, they rip a lot of pages out of their Bible, um, because of pain, right? And the moment we start talking about certain biblical topics like, like money, like sex, like marriage, like parenting, all of a sudden people really get crazy. They, they, why? Because there's pain. In those pain, it, it creates blind spots in our lives. And so again, as, as we're talking about these, I, I want you to identify, do you have pain in your life? Well, how do you know? Who do you complain about the most? You know, our complaints t- are, are, tend to indicate who, who do we rant about the most? Who are we frustrated at the most? Th- those are indicators uh, of areas where we're, we're, we're probably gonna lack teachability. We're ultimately gonna lack the ability to experience the grace of God through certain conduits. And so it's important that you're mindful of where do you have pain spots? Where do you have pace spots? Areas where you just lack the time to make the change. Pace, pain, and the third and fourth ones are these. Pride and planning. Pride and planning. Carolyn, talk to us. So to talk about pride and planning, I just wanna share part of my personal journey with you. You know, in 2019, I started going on a journey just to deal with my health and my physical body. For the five years prior, from 2014 to 2015, I actually was slowly and consistently gaining weight. And over the five-year period, I gained over 45 pounds. And it wasn't due to having babies, had nothing to do with childbearing and all of that. Um, For me, it was several things. Like, just being honest, I love food. Like, I love food. And I love candy. I love sugar. I've always... My first business when I was seven years old was a candy store, and I would go to church and sell candy to church members. You know what I mean? So I was like an entrepreneur for sugar. It was called Carolyn's Candy Cove. Yes, it was. And so, so like, I feel like I've been eating sugar my whole life. I love it. Our family nights, we would go to- a red vine girl. Come on. (laughs) Not Twizzlers, yes. But I, our family nights, we'd go to Walgreens, we'd get really cheap candy, you know what I mean? And we'd just have pizza and candy and ice cream and I just wanted to enjoy all the food. I wanna eat pizza and popcorn and candy all the time. To be honest, I'm stubborn. Like I wanted to eat whatever I wanna eat and not have any consequences. It's just the stubbornness in me. There's, I definitely had an entitlement about food. You know, so for me, I worked long, hard hours. And so for me, food was a reward after a long day. This is what I deserve to eat. You know, I also had a lot of stress going on in my life. There was things that I felt like my life was out of control. There were parts of the church that I felt like I couldn't control. The church members leaving, staff members leaving, delay after delay after delay in getting a building. At that same time, Peter was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, so his pain levels were through the roof, just chronic pain. Doctor appointment after doctor appointment. And so, and then I had friends, best friends leave the church. So in the midst of all of this, I just felt like there's so much I cannot control. So I am definitely gonna control food. It's gonna be the one thing that I can control in my life and I'm gonna do what I want. To be honest, I resented the fact that I was aging and as I'm aging, my metabolism is getting slower and so I can't eat the same things I could eat when I was 18 and 19. Like it was like, dang it, come on. Why does age and getting older, like why does our metabolism, you know, maybe this is just the 
seasoned Carolyn, the mature Carolyn. You know, this is just the new me and I need to accept it. Besides, American culture is so obsessed with food and bodies and eating disorders and skinny. And so like, I wanna resist that. So I just need to embrace this is who I am. This is my new normal. Maybe I just need to accept it. And I'm not sharing any of this to, to be oppressive. I just, I wanted to share my journey, but here's the deal. I was miserable. I was exhausted all the time. Like my brain was foggy from so much sugar and carbs. You know, I, I just, I would, my energy was low. I would find myself hiding uh, in every photo for five years. I literally did not want to be seen. And, and I know that sounds stupid, but when we look back at our family photos, it's weird how much I'm missing from them, how much I would hide. And I think it's really a symbol of I was hiding in life. Like, I, I felt so stuck. I remember when we were, in, we were in London, and you said, I'm not even gonna buy anything because we're gonna be back here in a year, and I'm gonna lose weight. And then three London trips later, <laughs> we I still weren't there, and I you know. said the same thing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I know, oh. it's so humbling, it's so humbling. You know, I remember every time Pastor Peter... Sorry, that was... <laughs> That's, it's my journey. Um, Every Sunday, you know, Peter always asks us, you know, at the end of his sermon, like, what is it that God's speaking to you about? What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you need to let go of? And for me, every time I knew, like, it was front of mind. It was, Carolyn, you're obsessed with food. You love food. It's a control issue. It's an entitlement issue. You need to surrender it. And, and I just felt self-righteous. Like, I have surrendered so many things to God. I've given him, like, 99% of my life. I, this is the one area I'm not ready to let go of. I wanted to hold on to it. On top of that, even though I was miserable. Isn't that a weird paradox? It's like, I wanted control even though I was miserable. And then I'm overwhelmed. There's so much nutrition information that's out there. And I'm just gonna be honest, I am not an extroverted, go to the club, join a class. Like, I do not wanna work out with y'all at six in the morning. Like, I, I wanna be in my bed at six in the morning, not perky <laughs> and exercising in odd outfits. Carolyn do you know what I mean? Carolyn's not so, a morning person. Yeah, she's not. I'm a, I need 10 hours of sleep She'll person, you know. She'll buy the I'll outfit. buy the outfit, just not work out in it. That's yeah, right. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, I'm a busy working mom. At the time, I had three teenagers. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I need my sleep. And then I don't even like salads. You know what I mean? So like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a picky eater. Salads are gross. Have you ever had kale? Like, kale should not even be a food group. You know, every year I'd make New Year's resolutions and every year I would break them. It was just, I just felt stuck. I remember one year I prayed, I prayed for the whole year, like, God, would you just, just magically give me a feeling, like, could it just fall from heaven, like manna, you know, in, this, in the wilderness, like, could you just fall upon me, this desire for health? Like, I just, I literally prayed and for an entire God year. sometimes God does do that. Sometimes God does. Sometimes God will supernaturally change your desires, and other times he says no, it's time to confess your sin and get prayer from a righteous person. Amen. But you know what? I even had fake accountability. I'm just, gonna, I'm just being really honest here. I'm just bearing it all. Do you know what that is? It's when you pretend you want accountability. You get together with your friends. You whine and complain about your life and your struggles. You pat each other and say, that's okay. And you never give your friends permission to actually ask you tough questions. It's an empathy group, not an accountability group. Exactly. In fact, I'll never forget, one of my pastor friends actually did challenge me on some of my food choices, and I remember walking away so offended. Like, again, the opposite 
of accountability. I remember that. You were so <laughs> mad. So I remember, so, <laughs> come on, Peter. Like, <laughs> stop interrupting. Oh, oh, my gosh. In my mind, I'm like, she said what? Wow, she said that. And I was like, you go. And then you were like so mad. I, I'm so just mad. being honest, just being honest. So I remember finally, I, wa- I saw a friend, a pastor friend that lived out of state, and I watched her health journey. I watched her lose weight. And she was older than me, she was heavier than me, and I thought, okay, if she can do it, then I can do it. There's hope for me. And, uh, and so I, I met with her, I talked with her, and then to do it, I had to sit down with my family. And I actually had to stop struggling in privacy and in isolation and in hiding. And I had to sit down with all my kids, my husband, sit at the table and say, this is my struggle. I need help. And this is what I need to do. And this is what's going to cost our family. This is what's going to impact our budget. This is what I'm going to need to do in my time. And, and I need your help. It was humbling. And, like, and if I could just even compliment you on this, I actually remember you were like, uh, you don't all have to change your habits for me. And uh, in other words, she didn't make me stop eating red vines on Fridays, even though she was gonna stop eating red vines. And to be honest, it was actually your, like I didn't have freedom in my eating either. Um, And it was actually your freedom that gave me permission to pursue freedom, because I kept thinking, if you can, I mean, she literally would still cook us all the awful things for us. And yet, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Like, that's like, (laughs) That's like over the top freedom. And it was actually convicting to me and it was the very thing that, it was like your freedom actually gave birth to my freedom uh, a year later, which was impressive. That is such a fun, you know, so now it's, it's really fun, you guys. Food does not control me. Like I actually like salads. I don't hate salad people anymore. Um, I still don't like kale, but I'm really into romaine, so kale that's people. my favorite. Um, but you know, I think it's important to note it took way longer for me to stop the sugar cravings and for me to stop you know, the cravings for it, but I didn't know I could feel this good. But I had to face the brutal facts. I had to humble myself. I had to get accountability. I had to have a plan. I couldn't do it privately, isolated, alone, and hidden. I couldn't just wait for feelings to come. I had to have a plan. And I think for those of us, you know, weight and food, it's one of those tougher areas because as you get older, you have to actually ask the tough questions of like all the different obstructions to change. If I'm living at a crazy pace, if I'm medicating because of the pain in my life, if you can't admit that weight gain is a choice or if you can't ask for help, I'm just not a planner, I just don't do plans, I need to be free and spontaneous, that's not free. I've been eating healthy now, you guys, for three years and four months. And I'm telling you, it's become a lifestyle. I'm not legalistic about it. I don't have an eating disorder and I'm not obsessed with skinny, skinny, skinny. I still, still I ate tons of Christmas cookies this last week. So I have a healthy relationship with food. I'm not here to talk about extremes. I'm here to talk about my journey of freedom because what I can tell you is I am not stuck in a cycle of shame. I'm not stuck in a cycle of addiction. I'm not stuck feeling out of control and feeling hopeless to change. And and I'm just telling you, church, all of us at some point are gonna have that issue where change feels really, really hard. And for some of us, it's gonna be budgeting. Others of us, it's gonna be 
overcoming a natural disposition, if that's ADHD, if that's in my case, rheumatoid arthritis, um, if that's like, again, some of us it's gonna be sexuality, others of us it's gonna be just spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, other things, and, and you're, never gonna be, you're never gonna be great at it right out of the gate, okay? Like even when it came to fasting, I was horrible at it. And yet, year after year, I still participate in the church-wide fast because, you know, I, and, and I, I got better and better at it. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, my self-denial muscle was way stronger than I realized. And here's what I've learned over the years is that ultimately, pain is not an option. A lot of times, we think change equals pain, it, which it does. But guess what? Lack of change equals pain as well. Pain is not an option. We either choose the pain of self-discipline or the pain of regret, okay? Either it's the pain of humility by confessing our, our issues, preventative humility, asking for help, or it's public humiliation. It's one or the other. We get to, but the, the good news is we get to choose this one before life comes crashing in on us. You see, at the end of the day, pain is not an option, but the good news is this. If we're honest about our issues, 1 Peter 5.5 5 says this, and I'll end with this. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If we're willing to choose the, the path of preventative humility, all of a sudden you're gonna have grace in your life. Listen. God's up in heaven saying, oh, loved one, I've got so much grace for you. I've got, I, I'm gonna pour out the grace when you take that first step of, of humility by confessing sin, getting prayer, getting a plan, slowing down the pace in your life. The Lord's like, oh, if I could just deal with that pain, that wound in your life that sets you down that path. If I, could, if I could just help you get that game plan, all of a sudden, some of you are gonna start experiencing grace that you didn't even know was possible. And I just, I, we're gonna have fun with this, church, in the, in the coming weeks. And our, of course, our 21-day fast kicks off today. And some of you are like, I'm not even prepared for it. Don't worry, just go to my blog, peterhuss.org things that you can teach, not only for you, but for your kids. And, and I'm not asking you to do a, a water-only 21-day fast. Some of you, that's what you need to do. You're ready for that. Others of you, it's just saying, hey, how about skip lunch on Wednesday? Or how about some of you fast social media, fast your news network, which some of you, man, that'll change all your friends. Uh, I'm just saying, you just need to like, you, you need to do simple, small stuff, small challenge by choice, and I'm just telling you, this year can be that year, but where does it start? Let's just start with surrender. How about that? How about we just all close our eyes, and let's just let the Holy Spirit, the searchlight of the Holy Spirit, come and just focus on us. And, and, and for some of you, God's gonna be like, hey, it's time to slow down your pace. It's time to start pruning your, your, your activities. Your kids don't have to be in every sport, don't have to be in every lesson. Some of you, it's like, hey, you, you, there's things that you're, you've been saying yes to that out of people pleasing or maybe out of insecurity that really you've made a part of your identity that you don't need to make it a part of your identity. And others of you, it's, the Lord is speaking to you about a, a wound that he's saying, you know what, it's time to actually go get counseling. It's not a bad thing to have a counselor, to have a financial advisor, to go get the accountability that you need. Still others of you, he's saying, hey, you started making a plan, but you never really fleshed out the plan, really dealt with it. Holy God, we know that you have things stored up for us this year that are so good 
that our minds would not even be able to conceive of the breakthroughs that you have. Some of us, it's financial breakthroughs. Some of us, this is the year uh, uh, we're gonna be physically healed. And God, we just trust you. We just allow that little ember of faith to be fanned into flame, Lord, that this could be our greatest year on planet Earth. And so right now, Heavenly Father, just meet us where we're at. You know what we need. And, and, and maybe, church, you're here, and as I'm praying, you're like, you know what? I don't even know if I'm right with God. Hey, this is the day to press that reset button. And if that's you, just repeat this after me. Just everybody, would you just start off the new year with a rededication prayer? Just say this. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, and lead me. Starting today. Fill me with your joy in Jesus' name. We pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Come on, church. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I, I'm just telling you, you are going to become the person you never imagined you could be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to resolve all of your doubts right away. Just be willing to let them take you on the journey. Amen. With all that said, we're going to have our campus pastors come on up and tell us where we're going to go next. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.